Hello, listeners and citizens of Broncos country. My name is Alan Diaz, and welcome to another exciting episode of Broncos Talk. And folks, this game came down so close to the wire. I mean, did you feel it like I did? Did you feel the magic? It was almost like I got goosebumps a little bit because it it felt like deja vu. It's a feeling that kind of like someplace you've been before or maybe you've been a couple times and no matter how many times you go, you keep getting that exact same feeling. Or, or was that just me, folks? I, I, I need to know. But um, unfortunately, our Broncos could not pull off the upset win. At least I think it was an upset because this this team was just so close so close so close <laughs> I mean, there's no other way to put it um they started off really bad let's just be honest the another first half with no points on the board uh mcmanus missing a field goal just it, it you you hurt to see it and that actually reminds me of something that i read <clears throat> excuse me about how even though some players you know they're cleared to play after covid they're not exactly a hundred percent like they were before they had it uh like for example uh miles garrett for the cleveland browns his numbers after his covid uh, return were not the same and even he admitted that uh the disease had kind of affected you know the the ability his ability to pass rush and you know just just bear just being able to stay and play and making the plays and do what miles garrett uh is, is known to do in, in cleveland so watching brandon mcmanus miss not just one doink football attempt but two football doink attempts it it just it hurts to see especially when you realize just how much money denver is paying brandon mcmanus to make these sort of kicks and it's kind of something that you would expect him to make with his eyes closed you know it it wasn't something that was like from 50 plus yards you know it should have been a kick walk but then again a lot of kickers have missed even things as simple as pats so uh i'm actually getting a little bit off topic but this offense has promise let's let's just let's start off the show by saying that this offense does have a lot of promise and i know that's probably something that you may have heard elsewhere or even maybe even by myself in previous episodes but it it leaves a lot to be desired you know especially when you see these passes by drew lock it makes you just think you know what if drew lock could connect with his receivers better what if pat Shermer could you know develop better schemes to suit drew Locke's uh strengths and try to hide his weaknesses it just leaves a lot to the imagination folks and i'm i'm still in on drew lock i know a lot of people aren't especially after the way he played this game but let's be clear about one thing folks this game was not on drew lock drew lock is not the reason why the Broncos lost. Yes, Drew Lock did have his one interception, which is really bad. And it, to me, it's kind of up there with when he throws off of his back foot because I do the exact same thing. I kind of, you know, just kind of <gasps> take a deep breath because I, from the camera angle, I, I don't see who he's throwing it to. I, the camera can't act, can't react fast enough to see what uh, Drew Lock sees. And to me, it just seemed like uh, uh, it was a stretch. It it wasn't a really good call. I understand what Drew was trying to do. He was trying to stretch for yards, but it was just, it was an ill-timed pass. It went past the receiver's hands and it just happened to bump behind where Casey Hayward was in the end zone for uh, an interception. But let's look at at Drew Locke's numbers for the day. He had 24 completions on 47 attempts. He had 264 yards and two interceptions. Now, granted, the second interception was on the Hail Mary throw. Me, personally, I don't really like to blame that on quarterbacks because it's 
it's more like a last ditch effort. I know even though the books are going to count it as an interception, but me personally, I don't like to count that towards the the quarterback. I'd rather a quarterback try for the end zone than, you know, them trying that than them getting sacked or or doing, you know, some hitting throwing behind the sticks and trying some of that uh, you know, back pass uh, shit that you see most teams try to do that from what I've seen in my lifetime, only Miami has been able to successfully complete in the Mi- in the Miami Miracle last year against New England. But Drew Locke, he didn't have any touchdowns this game. But the second half, Drew Locke, has been more than fantastic this season. Unfortunately, we haven't gotten first half Drew Locke yet. And the first half Drew Locke that we have gotten is, let's be honest, it hasn't been great. It's been kind of just downright terrible at times. So if we can go into next season and try to figure out how to not just extract second half lock in the first lock, but kind of just spread it out, it's Drew Locke can be really, really good. And it didn't help that KJ Hamler went out with an injury with a concussion injury at the beginning of the game, uh, like first half around there. So he was already down uh, a star a star player. Uh, Levante Bellamy was kind of up and down. I know he, he got pulled out after he suffered some type of injury, but then he came back in. But even when he came back in, he wasn't that what could have been explosive self out of him, at least that I saw. So... Uh, I don't want to say injuries were the reason we lost this game, but they were certainly a blow that was dealt to this Broncos offense. Now, Pat Shermer, to me, played a really a really too kind of cute, careful game. I didn't really see... I'm still expecting to see what we saw in Carolina, which is letting Drew Locke throw the ball. And I know what people are going to say. Like, yeah, if he throws the ball, he's going to get picked off or whatever. During the regular season, I can understand the conservative aspect. But, you know, this is the postseason. Or not postseason, but, you know, Denver's pretty much just... These are almost like pre-pre-pre-pre-season games at this point for for the next uh, upcoming year. So I'd like to see what the wide receivers can do in, in different areas. You know, if Drew Locke can get the ball to them, even if it gets picked off, like at least I want to know if Drew Locke can throw to that area and see if that wide receiver can try to make a play for it. Now, if it's like an underthrown thing or an overthrown thing, that's totally different. But it just, to me, Drew Locke has the arm, but his accuracy still needs to, needs to be honed in. You know, and obviously he didn't get uh, all of the reps this season because he did miss a couple of games here and there because of injury and then that bullshit with uh, with uh, New Orleans. But he's what he says at the press conferences. He hasn't really been able to instill on the field. And I I come on here almost every week and I try to always give him the benefit of the doubt. But I know that there's going to be a point, including next season, where I can't keep coming on here and telling my listeners that, hey, Drew Locke is the answer. I know that at some point, just like John Elway will have to do, <clears throat> you know, he's got to come in and say, hey, maybe Drew Locke is not the guy. Because the progression, he, he talks progression. You know, talking and, and showing are two different, two very different things. So, I have really high hopes for Locke next year, and I really do hope he can be the guy. I really do hope that Pat Shermer, who I'm pretty sure is going to stick around unless some surprise firing comes along, um, will stick around. And I would like to see Drew Locke have what Josh Allen had this year in terms of a turnaround Cinderella season. Where if you saw the game yesterday against uh, the Patriots, uh, Josh Allen was having his his way with him, and you know it was more of a mercy rule because uh, Buffalo could have more than easily put up 40, 40 plus points on New England, but they showed mercy on them and they were just killing clock. So that's what I expect to see from Drew Locke next year, and that's hoping he doesn't get injured. That's hoping that you know uh, uh, Corlin Sutton comes back healthy. Noah Fant comes back healthy. 
we get a uh, healthy Albert O and a good to decent tight end behind them, I, I don't think Jake Butt will be back with this team next season. And if he does, it'll be anything else. I'll take Troy Fumagalli. I think Fumagalli has shown uh, a lot that he can offer more as a third string tight end than either Vanette or or Jake Butt. But um, and and Jerry Judy. Oh my God, <laughs> Judy. I know he's been catching a lot of shit on social media for all of his drop passes, but let me let me just make something clear. If Jerry Judy had not opened his mouth on social media about getting his conditioning in after that game against Kansas City, we wouldn't be shitting on him like we would. We would be sitting here saying, oh, you know, it's okay. You're a rookie. You know, it, 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 you got to work on it, but, you know, he's a rookie. <clears throat> but the fact that he went on social media and opened his mouth he knew that he opened those floodgates and i'm pretty sure before he sat down and that after the game conference he knew that he was probably going to get shit not just from the reporters or from the media but from the fans because that's something you don't need to do you don't go and open your mouth about something and then knowing that you are are struggling because i i said the same thing after he made that comment I don't know if I said it on here specifically or if I said it on, on the Mile High Roundtable podcast, but I said it on social media. I said, before you can open your mouth, you need to learn how to catch passes. And this game specifically shows how dangerous Jerry Judy can be, but at the same time, it showed just how much of a rookie he is because he dropped so many passes. He dropped a possible touchdown in the end zone. He dropped a possible pass that could have put... The Broncos at the what, like the 35 or the 40 or the 30 with time left where McManus could have had a shot to win that game. And he had other passes where he just dropped it. Let's let's look at the numbers. Matter of fact, Jerry Judy, he had six receptions for 61 yards. He was targeted 15 fucking times by Julak. 15. Deshaun Hamilton, five receptions for 77 yards and nine targets. Noah Fant, six receptions for 65 yards, nine targets. Tim Patrick, only three receptions for 39 yards and four targets. So Drew Locke shifted away from Tim Patrick, who was probably covered, very well covered by uh, either Hayward or, or Chris Harris Jr., and gave Jerry, tried to give Jerry Judy the benefit of the doubt. Like, okay, you want the ball? Let's go show him what, we, what you can do. Now, don't get it twisted. Jerry Judy's cut, cutting ability and routes is stellar he made so many defensive players break break their ankles or eat their fucking shit but when you get that open you have to catch the ball and i understand he's a rookie and that's why i'm I'm cutting him some slack but hopefully judy understands now that going into his sophomore year he cannot have another game like that there is no way he can go into year number two being a first round draft pick and drop that many fucking passes in one game. If it was like in a collection of games, okay, I understand it. You know, not even the most uh, greatest of wide receivers, they drop passes here and there. But when you drop six or seven passes, however many is, is the number, because I'm hearing so many numbers at this point, when you drop that many passes, it it just, it, as a Broncos fan, it, it hurts. You hurt, you hate to see it because it hurts the team, you know, and, and Drew Locke is trying to not just make a name for himself, but he's trying to empower and better his teammates. And he's trying to, he wants to take advantage of the time that the offensive line has been giving him. But if wide receivers keep dropping passes like that, and you have to keep going out there and punting the ball, you're putting your defense in a very tough spot because the defense, you know, the more time that they're out there, the more tired that they're going to get from, you know, constantly being passing and, the secondary is bound to give up a play, a big play here or there sooner or later or get pushed into the red zone and then hope that they can just settle for a field goal. So you don't want to put your defense in that awkward position. You want to put points on the board before your defense goes back out there instead of sending your defense out there because you went three and out or you threw a pick or you fumbled the ball or your wide receiver dropped a, a, a pass that could have converted on first down. So... I, I'm still a fan of Jerry Judy. I think he's great. I think he's going to be great. But he cannot reach that level of being great if he doesn't work on that 
catching uh, problem. And I know he owned up to it on not just at the conference, but on social media, I think, as well. But I think that this was a giant piece of, of humble pie. Because, and hopefully he's, he's learned. His lesson, I know he's young. He's only, what, 21, 22 years old. So, you know, especially rookies coming in. He's not going to be the first one, and he's not. And he sure as hell not going to be the last one to say some stupid shit on Twitter or do something stupid. But... It's, it's not so much about the mistakes that you make. It's what you do to correct them. You know, one thing I learned in life is there's a difference between making a mistake and constantly making a mistake because constantly making a mistake turns into habit. You know, like if you run into a wall, you're not going to do it again because that shit hurts. But if you keep running into that same wall or if you keep running into walls, then that's a habit. Then you have a habit of running into walls for some fucking reason. You know, so Judy, I don't know what you need to do during the off season, but I I hope you can find some somebody, some inspiration, or someone on the coaching staff can pull you aside and and help you work on trying to catch those passes because your value on this team is is a lot more than people probably don't give you credit for because Jerry Judy. Could very be could very well be the guy to take over the reins once Corlin Sutton's uh, you know reign is over if he ever does get traded or you know he can't play anymore or what have you. But he should be second in line to that wide receiver throne, just like Corlin Sutton was after Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders left Denver over the last two three years. So we need to start grooming you, you know him now. That way we're not scrambling to, to find an all-star wide receiver and hope we get, you know, good draft positioning in, in the draft just to try to find the next, you know, I was going to say Odell Beckham, but uh, let's let's say uh, Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver from, from Minnesota, who's having an, a stellar career. He's doing better than Ruggs and CeeDee Lamb and, and, and Jerry Judy, to be honest with you. And those guys were first-round draft picks. So... You know, being a first round draft pick gives you just that that shiny luxury that, you know, you can be great. But at the on the other hand, all that comes down to coaching. Coaching has to mold a first round pick to be great. You know, and that's something that uh, some people don't understand. Uh, I, I don't watch college ball. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I watch it when I'm at a restaurant and, you know, it's OK, but I don't follow it like I follow the NFL. But I do know that college football and NFL are it's day and night man it's two very different things that's why not every player that gets drafted makes it in this league so either you have the chops or you have coaches that you know mold you even though you'll have a rough start and you know build you into the superstar that you can or will be or you come into this league and you fold and you bust it's it's that fucking simple folks there's no other way around it so i'm hoping that jerry judy comes out and you know makes John Elway proud whether Elway is still here after next season or whatnot but he needs to be the guy that everybody in Denver knows he can be like okay the Broncos fans and and his coaches I'm pretty sure and and the media they shit on him he had a bad game fine put that behind you Judy you know work on what you got to work on to get better and show the league and the players and the fans and everybody that you can be that guy who, you know, cracks, uh, you know, be- can become offensive player of the year and hell, maybe even MVP one day. Who knows? Sky's the limit. So I have faith in Judy. Hopefully this was just a one-time thing. And let's hope we never have to talk about that many drop passes from Judy ever again. Uh, I totally skipped over the rushing and I do apologize. I know I usually have an order, but I, these are just things that I've been wanting to get off my chest since, since Sunday. Melvin Gordon had 16 carries for 79 yards. He averaged 4.9 yards a carry. Royce Freeman only had two carries. He came in for Philip Lindsay. He had only 16 yards for, he averaged about eight. Drew Locke actually made this list. He didn't have a, uh, a receiving touchdown, but he had a rushing touchdown because he ran, uh, he carried the ball five times. He ran for 15 yards on the day, and he had the one, was it one or two yard rushing touchdown? Uh, Levante Bellamy had three carries. He had 11 yards. He averaged about 3.7. And Spencer and Hamler both had one carry each, nine and three uh, yards respectively. 
So Melvin Gordon has been quite the talk of the town in Denver this uh, this past week in terms that if if he plays his cards right, he could break his second, I think, second year as a 1,000-yard rusher. So with Philip Lindsay, more than likely, I'm guessing, not be able to play against the Raiders this coming week, I can honestly see that happen. But that would mean that Denver would have to rely more on the running game and not so much on, on Drew Locke's arm. Now, the Raiders' defense, ever since they fired their defensive coordinator, their their run defense has pretty much suffered. It's It hasn't been as formidable as it was before. Their secondary has been up and down at times, but I think that Melvin Gordon could crack that 1,000-yard record. I think he's only just over, I think it's 100 or 100, between 100 to 102 yards I think he needs to break 1,000, and he could do it. Now, the question is, is can he do it? I think he should because it would help him a long ways going into negotiations and what to do with him next year because I believe that Broncos country is kind of split on where or, or what the team should do with Melvin Gordon. Some people say that they should cut him. Some people say that they should trade him or, or you know not have him come back as a Bronco next year. And I disagree with both of those because even if you cut him or trade him, you still have to pay him dead money. And if we can limit just how much dead money the Broncos is spending, I think that would be fantastic. And especially going into a season where uh, the salary cap is going to take a hit. We don't know how big. We'll find out more as the you know as time progresses. But, hell, we just got done paying Case Keenum this year. And after this year, we'll get done playing Joe Flacco. Two quarterbacks that only lasted one out of the two years they were supposed to be here. So... <laughs> And I'm pretty sure there's other players that will get done paying uh, the, after this year as well. I can't think off the top of my head. But Joe Flacco and Case Keenum were two of them because they were supposed to be, you know, that, that band-aid or that bridge cap while Denver got their ducks in a row and tried to find their started, starting caliber quarterback. So I, I just think that I think Melvin Gordon, even though we've been saying all season that, you know, he's overpaid and he's not playing like uh, Derrick Henry or he's not playing like Nick Chubb or even Christian McCaffrey before he got hurt but I think that Gordon has done a great job filling in when he needed to be unfortunately Philip Lindsay has been dealing with injuries he's been dealing with concussions he hasn't been the Philip Lindsay that we know and love and I think that when it came time to it Melvin Gordon has done a pretty good job in trying to you know to fill that gap and trying to be not just uh, a first down back, but, you know, trying to be the first down and the second down back. You know, even though we do have Royce Freeman and, and Bellamy and and we did have Lindsey a couple of times here and there. But aside from that uh, first Chargers game, that was probably Philip Lindsey's biggest game of the year that I can think of. You know, he was the catalyst that started that comeback drive against the Chargers that game. So hopefully... Philip Lindsay can, you know, heal and come back stronger next year. And we can finally see that two down running back punch that I've been craving so much. And that we got a couple of glimpses of this season here and there that had the running game and the O-line been just a tad bit better on the right side could have been really dangerous and, and punished defenses for, you know, confusing them, trying to make them pick. What are you guys going to do? You're going to stack the box or you're going to, uh, spread out and try to cover wide receivers but that that leaves a lot to be desired now <laughs> i don't i'm pretty sure i haven't said this on this podcast but if denver had put kalfani muhammad in that back or in the practice squad at least you know he could have been a nice replacement for philip Lindsay while he was down and out but muhammad got picked up by uh, i forget uh one of my friends on twitter tagged me on on that he got picked up by some team. I can't remember off the top of my head. And I almost wanted to die. I almost wanted to cry because <laughs> I really like that guy. I think he's great. <clears throat> I really liked what he did uh, in the preseason last year, especially in that Hall of, Ga- All Hall of Fame game. But it it is what it is. It, it, and it'll be interesting to see where Denver goes in the draft or in free agency in that matter. I, I don't see them picking up another running back 
unless they get unless they can get like a veteran running back for cheap uh you know as like a third string maybe but i i don't i don't see that they could get a running back in the draft if they really wanted to i forget the name of the there's a guy whose name i've been hearing making the rounds in conversation but that all depends on where denver ends up in the in the draft order and who falls on their lap so uh it it'd be interesting like i wouldn't really like i wouldn't be upset if they went and got that that guy's name who i can't think of but i i just i don't think that you need him like if it was if it was just melvin gordon and there was no philip Lindsay, like okay yeah or if it was the other way around or if you just had philip Lindsay and you know no melvin gordon and you know philip Lindsay obviously has been in and out this season then yeah i'd say hey we we need a running back you need a running game to compliment uh, Drew Locke and, you know, give him a break here and there from, you know, throwing the football. But I I still see potential in both of those guys, honestly. And it, it's there. It just needs to be brought out. And it, it's, to me, it's probably everybody just trying to get used to a Pat Shermer offense. You know, year one with certain offensive coordinators are always, you know, trial and error trying to get a feel of how things work and how running games work with his scheme with without trying to use a fullback like Denver has done with previous offensive coordinators you know but I think that it can work I think that it can be good hopefully we get a Juwan James back on the line next year and we can get rid of Elijah Wilkinson hell I'll walk him out the door because I'm tired of seeing that guy's name out there I, I just think that he he hurts the line more than than anything. I I I I think he's just I think Mike Munchak's just trying to do with him like he did with Garrett Bowles, trying to turn him around and you know so he can put him on a pedestal and say, hey, if I can do that with with Bowles and, and Wilkinson, I can do that with anybody. Shit, but uh, I I hope he doesn't come back. Uh, hopefully they can find a way to maybe keep Demar Dotson on board, uh, but yeah, I know he's got a pretty I don't remember what his number is, but I know it's kind of pricey. So since Denver is trying to save bucks next season, they they might just move on from both of them. And I don't know, maybe look to find an undrafted uh, right tackle in in the in the draft. I don't know, but the the offense was pretty. In in, in retrospect, the offense was pretty boring, folks. In the first half, we saw flashes of what could have been. We saw McManus miss two pretty easy kicks as I said at the beginning of the show and it just as a Broncos fan you you hate to see it because I don't know about you guys but I always have flashes every time we we play like that where we start a game where you know it's only three points or in that game or in that game no points in the first half and in my mind I'm like remember when Peyton Manning back in 2013 would have already like 20 something points in the first half sometimes even 30 and it would be like eh, you know maybe you can bring in Brock and let him get in a couple reps you know warm that, that arm up in the second half <laughs> like I still reminisce about that shit and I don't know if I'm the only one and I know uh Broncos fans that can go a little bit further back and remember the John Elway days probably say the same thing like when John Elway would just fling the ball and I, I I've watched most of John Elway's uh highlights and plays I mean obviously I wasn't alive during his his uh his most of his career hell I was alive for like half of it now that I think about it I was a kid but I but just to be able to go back and and watch those videos and just see how he just threw the ball like it was nothing and, and wide receivers make those amazing catches I mean you just as a Broncos fan it it makes you crave for that you want to see your quarterback do that and Julak can throw passes like that maybe not as far as Elway did but he just needs the accuracy to be better and I'm really hoping that Corlin Sutton coming back healthy can you know can come back and remind the league just how dangerous he was uh I think he'll come back healthier I think he'll come back stronger Jerry Judy, I hope he cleans up his, you know, his drop passes and butterfingers or what have you. KJ Hamler is starting to make a name for himself, I think. And he could easily pass 
Jerry Judy in that number two spot if he's not careful. And Tim Patrick, I hope they can find a way to keep him. But if he decides to, you know, go to another team for more money, hey, I, I don't blame him. I, I'd wish him the best. But to me, he's he's that underrated Bronco that we we come to know and love. So that's going to do it for the offense, folks. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll get into the defensive part of this game. But we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back after these kind And we're back. If you're just joining us, we ran down the offensive part of this game, and now we're going to jump into the defense. And the defense was, uh, I mean, it was, wasn't was as bad as the second half of last week, but it almost looked like they made they made uh, mend. Uh, Malik Reed, he actually had a forced fumble in this game. And towards the end of the, the, second, uh, the second quarter, going into halftime, now, for the life of me, I think Atachu had a Cam Newton moment where he tried to pick up the ball, like to scoop the ball up and run it into the end zone. But in in his mind, he had to had you need to have a clock in your head that says, "Hey, you might not have enough time for that because somebody can just come and tackle you from behind, and you might not have enough time to call a timeout or for the team to realize it, or you know, for the for it to be a dog pile and dog pile just eats up clock." So you need to, uh, if, if Atachu falls on that ball and at least just recovers it, that you, you, that could have been the offense's, you know, bailout of the first half with no points. They could have, you know, maybe tried to do a quick down pass and, you know, get a touchdown or, or run it depending on how much time is left. I mean, the pos- there's possibilities there, but the fact that he tried to scoop it up and he couldn't, and the offense, one of the offensive linemen was able to recover the ball. It just like, I, I flew back on my bed. I was like, oh my God, dude, just land on the fucking ball. And I get it. I know why he did it. He wanted to, you know, I'm pretty sure he wanted to show off and, you know, be the guy that recovered it and scored a touchdown and, and, and all that shit. Like most defensive guys are when they're in that moment but you had the chance you had the opportunity and you missed it and i'm pretty sure if atachu can go back you change it and you know fall on it and and all that 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 good stuff so anyways draymond jones was the only other person besides malik reed with a recorded sack and i mean the pass rush it wasn't like great but it was pretty good, especially against that old line of, of the Chargers, who's who's been pretty beat up this season. It hasn't been as great as they want it to be. I, I'm kind of worried about their old line next year because in their draft position, they, they're in pretty good position to pick up a, a pretty good uh, offensive line. I can't remember what his name was, but he's been on almost every draft board that I've seen for most analysts uh, this past week. So they could see a good amount of reinforcement on that old line come next season. And the Chargers caught a break that uh, Bradley Chubb didn't play in this game. Because I think if Chubb would have played, uh, that <laughs> I think Herbert would have been in, in in much better, in much bigger trouble, I should say. Because this uh, this defense still remembers what what Herbert did to them back in Denver. You know, I'm pretty sure the defense took them took them for granted, and you know Herbert marched down for two touchdowns in the first half, and then for one more in the beginning of the second half of the of their first meetup in in denver so the fact that herbert only had one touchdown was pretty 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 damn good <laughs> let me just say uh, shelby harris i mean i could make an entire episode just talking about how great shelby harris has been and i i really do hope that this coming Sunday is not the last time we see Shelby Harris in a Broncos uniform. I think he needs to be the number one priority signing for Denver because his his gameplay has been just fantastic. And I'm pretty sure he's had to be the guy without Von Miller there to just kind of be the, you know, the kind of the, the inspiration or the push or the, 
you know, just a guy to bring the energy, the emotion and the, you know, hey, we need to get we need to get the fucking quarterback, you know, Chubb, you know, get on his ass. Malik Reed, get on his ass. Atachu, get on his ass. That's who I feel Shelby Harris is. You know, he's a pretty nice guy uh, outside of the field. And uh, by the way, congratulations to him on, you know, getting in, uh, being a father and, you know, getting out there. Uh, Also, shout out to John Elway and the Broncos family for getting him a private jet to fly out. He didn't fly out with the team. He flew out earlier than them, I believe, just so he can go back home and be with his wife and be with his newborn child. So, you know, congratulations to him. Uh, heard the baby is good, nice, and healthy. So, you know, congratulations are all around for the Harris family. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, I needed to take a drink. Anyway, that defensive line is really, really going to be something next year. It really is. Um, I think that... If, I think the Broncos are probably going to go defensive in the draft again there's there's a there's been a lot of uh, from what i've seen cornerbacks are not that big uh in in terms of uh class this year in the draft from what i read it's more of a linebacker type of class maybe even defensive end or inside uh defensive tackle or uh, not so much secondary let's say let's put it at that and if, if they can get uh, a really good player out of there, I think that Denver can be they can be they can be dangerous again. We can go we can be back to that orange crush defense that you know goes out there and just destroys and demolishes his office offenses. And this week against the Raiders, I'm I'm kind of torn to be honest with you, like. I don't want my team to lose, but I wouldn't be mad at a loss, if that makes any sense. So, at this, but on the other hand, I'm really glad that my team is not going to go out there and you know just lay down and let the Raiders walk all over them. I think that the Broncos are they're going to come out like a bat out of hell because there's no way that they've forgotten what happened in Las Vegas a couple weeks ago. That's got to be burning in the back of their minds and. A part of me wanted Denver to be the ones to knock the Raiders out of the playoff hunt, but unfortunately Miami spoiled that um, <laughs> spoiled that chance for us. So, and those players go out and they get paid. So it makes me happy as a fan that you know these guys are going out there and they're actually playing their best, and that they're not just going out there just because they have to. You know, they're not slouching, they're not showing any type of giving up like they did against. Buffalo last week where Singletary just ran past the the defense but then again that defense was mostly like third and maybe even four stringers so it's not so much that they just gave up it's just so much that they weren't ready for it it's like a 50-50 of both to be honest with you but I think that these guys can do it obviously we don't have the same cornerbacks that we did the first time we went against uh, the Raiders but I don't I don't know if the Raiders will start all of their guys seeing as how this is this isn't really uh, a meaningful game for either team but I I think they will unless they're dealing with injuries and you know they don't want to push it then you know you might not see Aguilar or Waller I don't think is dealing with an injury but he can still be pretty he's, he's been one of the best tight ends in the league this year and um, I I think my only complaint with the defense, to be honest with you, would probably be Bosby. Bosby has just been, he's, these last two games, I mean, I don't know what's happened to him. Uh, I know, I read an article that, you know, Fangio benched him, and then, you know, he, he begged and pleaded to go out there, and he went back out there, and, he, you know, he shit the bed again, and then he got benched again. So, the only thing that's, Keeping Bosby even on the field this week is the fact that, you know, Denver is so limited on cornerbacks. But if it was the other way around, we probably wouldn't be seeing Bosby at all. We probably wouldn't have been seeing him after that uh, the first time in the, the Chargers game. Who knows? If it wasn't for Booyah getting his dumbass suspended or uh, Callahan being injured. And I'm pretty sure Callahan could play, but he's on IR. And the best thing for him is to, you know, heal and come back healthier hopefully next season but it just sucks 
because, you know, all of Broncos country was happy to see him come back after he made his rotation around the league in the waiver wire. And, you know, he had that one game as a Cardinal in a Vance Joseph defense. And then they cut him. And then he comes back to Denver. And he was the hero of the Carolina game. And after that, he just he just hit a slump. And, and I don't even know how. I mean, there was no Keenan Allen in this game. Mike Williams was their most dangerous receiver. And Guyton... He's a he's a he's a pretty he's like okay, but he's not like a dangerous wide receiver like Stephon Diggs was. I tried to give Bosby last week the benefit of the doubt, like okay, yeah, it's Stephon Diggs. You know, he's a great wide receiver. He's gonna catch the ball, but this time around, it was just like he gave up too many coverages. He he just suffered. He he missed tackles, and he's not the only one that missed tackles. But it's like fuck, dude. This could be his last chance to try to even save a roster on this team because he he just gave more ammo for guys like, you know, Isaiah Bassey and if Denver doesn't go out and get a cornerback in, in the free agency or hell, even in, in the draft as an undrafted free agent or, or some shit like that, he just hurts his cause, to be honest with you. And I, like... I, I don't I don't know if I can come back on this podcast next week and, and defend him anymore if he has another shitty game, you know, and if he gets burned by Aguilar or uh, Waller or whoever he's been asked to, to, to cut or to cover. I, I'm pretty sure he's going to play because, like I said, Denver is limited on cornerbacks. But if he continues to play like shit, Fangio will not hesitate to bench him again. And he probably more than likely won't see a second time back out on the field unless an injury happens and then he gets cut a break but he needs to step it up man he really does because I honestly feel that he's playing for his job and if he goes out there and he has another shit game you know we've already seen that Fangio and his, his coaching staff they're not afraid to cut anybody and they're not afraid to put people over either so and if he goes out there and he shits the bed against the Raiders and you know he gets cut during the, the offseason I don't know if I can say that, you know, I feel sorry or I'd be angry like I was the first time. I I mean, I don't know. I don't know if one game against Carolina can all help overset two really bad games. I, I just, I honestly don't. And, you know, Carolina, yeah, they, they're a struggling team and it was great he had a victory, but he needs to be able to play like that against every single team, not just against teams that are, are bad. You know, or are playing bad, so to speak. Um, uh, Ojemudia, he had a pretty uh, decent game. I wouldn't, it wasn't terrible. Uh, at least he didn't get like super burned or anything like he did a couple times this past season. But I think Ojemudia is, is showing progress. He's had more time under him than he probably expected. I'm pretty sure he didn't expect to, to see the field so much. But, you know, with, with injuries to Callahan and Bouye getting suspended, he, I think it, it did him more, more good than bad. You know, even if he does get burned or whatever, but at least he knows what he needs to work on. And I, I do see him on this team next season. And he, he was handpicked by, by Vic Fangio. So that's got to tell you for something. So Fangio sees something in him where he has the potential to be a good, maybe great quarterback. But... He, he needs to have that standout game next season. He could have it on Sunday. Who knows? But next season, he needs to have a standout game like Bouye had against Carolina where, you know, he makes the plays. He makes the pick. He makes the tackles. And, you know, and hell, a defensive player of the week would really go long ways to, you know, solidify that statement. Uh, Alexander Johnson and uh, Honey Bear, Josie Jewell. They, they played pretty decent. The, Josie Jewell had a chance for an interception, but unfortunately he, he totally missed it. And I think that Jewell, out of both of them, if the Broncos go in for a linebacker, I think that Jewell is probably playing for his job this week, to be honest with you. I don't see the Broncos cutting him, but I do see the Broncos putting him in third, maybe like as a rotation piece. Uh, but that also depends on if they get one in the draft or if they 
go and draft another Mark Barron type of shit where they play, where they pay a, a player a shitload of money and then he gets hurt and he never sees the field as a Bronco and then he gets cut <laughs> after after being even related and mentioned to a Broncos team. So uh, I don't know. I mean, th- to be honest with you folks, this defense did pretty good up until the fourth quarter, the one time they really needed a stop and they couldn't get it. And they let the running back, I, I don't know who it was, I don't know if it was Barrage or, or um, I think it was Eckler, just marched down the field and he went for like 30, 40 yards or something like that and put the Chargers in field goal range. And it was the worst time for the defense to, to kind of break. They were bending most of that game, but they didn't break. And unfortunately, the offense... With very little time left, they couldn't capitalize and, you know, mount a comeback. And it, it sucks. But this defense, for as beat up and as hurt and as battered and bruised and whatever you want to call it has been this entire season, they've had more good games than bad. Their bad games have been two, maybe three games where it was just like they played like total shit or they gave up towards the end. But thankfully, they've had more more shining moments where, you know, they've shown progress. They've shown that, you know, they can be that team. And I hope that they can that they can play big against uh, the Raiders because I, I, I want this defense to finish strong this season. I, I'd like for them to go six and ten and not just because six and ten are my favorite numbers, but six and ten is better than five and eleven. Let's be honest, folks. Um, but like I said earlier, I I don't want Denver to lose. I want Denver to win, even if it means you know we fall down in draft position. Then then so be it. But if Denver loses another close one, then you know I wouldn't be mad at it. Like I'd be I'd be sad that the Broncos lost, but I wouldn't be mad because I'd be like, okay, well at least we move. Take it as like a consolation prize, if you will. But I just don't want our, our boys to go out there and get, you know, steamrolled. That's the last thing that, that Denver needs. And, you know, we've already, we got swept by the Chiefs. We broke one and one with with uh, the Chargers. One and one against Oakland would help us go a long way. I don't think that Denver will get out of the basement simply because the Chargers are playing uh, Kansas City, I think. Yeah, I think they're playing Kansas City. And obviously Kansas City's not going to start any of their starters. They're going to have, you know, second and third string guys. So I, I think the Chargers are going to win their game. Maybe not even without trying. But and for them, it, it, it'd be a better help for them to finish in third than to finish in last. But, I, I mean, who knows? And... Uh, to I, I kind of want to take some time to kind of go over. Um, uh, if you listen to, I'm stumbling now. Earlier, before I started this, uh, the the before I started, let me start over. Blah. Earlier, before the season, I was in uh, in a fantasy league, and uh, I just wanted to give an update on what the standings were. In, in fantasy because obviously today in, in, in all of our leagues they, um, they it was over I I learned our lesson we did a, a 17 week league once and that was so fucking terrible <laughs> people were complaining that their their players didn't start and you know they had the waiver they had to hit the waiver wire and we're like okay we're, we're never doing this this again uh, so I I don't recommend uh, stretching. If you're a commissioner in a football, uh, in a fantasy football league, I don't recommend stretching it to week 17 unless you really want to see how pissed off people can get when they have to rely on waiver wire picks and or start people they've never even fucking heard of. That shit's hilarious, but uh, but playing it, it's not worth it. Um, in in my in my league where I'm a commissioner and it's called the Football Kings, I finished in ninth place. And our our winning player went nine and four on the season, and he had Alvin Kamara on his team, folks. And, and let me tell you, the man 
finish the season with the highest total, I believe, out of any 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 game this season with 152 points. And his opponent had only 127. So I I started off strong in that league. But I just hit I hit roadblocks. I lost Bradley, uh Brad not Bradley. <laughs> I lost Nick Chubb. I lost Corlin Sutton, two of my top picks in fantasy. And even though I got Nick Chubb back, I got him back kind of late. But my biggest my bust, my fucking bust pick was Mark Ingram. And I don't know why I kept this motherfucker on my bench the entire season. I should have dropped him. But Mark Ingram, the guy who I saw destroy people in our fantasy league last season and then I thought I'd get a great pick in. Just completely shit the bed. He only had like one good game and that was against Houston. That was the last time I got double digit points from that motherfucker. So um I I couldn't I tried waiver wire replacements. I couldn't find a, a balance to, to kind of complement my running game. CeeDee Lamb was a pretty good pickup for me. Um, I, I had him as my second wide receiver. But again, um, just I struggle more with running backs than I did with my wide receivers. Uh, I was able to fluctuate wide receiver uh, picks up and down. I had Young Hoku as my kicker. So he at one point, he gave me like 21 points a couple times. So he was fantastic. And my defenses rotated. Sometimes I had Denver. I had Indianapolis when they were playing really good. And... I finished off with uh, with the Packers, so um, I've I, I at least I didn't come in last. So there's that uh, there's that thing. My brother came in last, and unfortunately, he's gonna have to wear the tiara and the the sash that I found that says you know fantasy loser, and probably take pictures with the rest of <laughs> of our teammates or league owners next season at our at our fantasy. Uh, draft party so he's probably not looking forward to that let me tell you Uh, also I was in our mile high round table fantasy league and in that one I finished in fifth place out of eight people in my league it was 12 people in this one I was in fifth place now in this one I I kind of struggled because I went up against some really really strong the, the the settings here were a little bit different so the point values were more than uh i in our in our league we do standard we don't like award extra pointage but hey everybody runs their league their way so um that's on uh whoever you're with but fifth place out of eighth is is not bad uh Tol- tolkien i don't know if i said that right tolkien region religion tolkien religion came in first bowl of stew came in second and chocolate starfish came in third so i mean i kind of started getting hot towards the end but towards the end i was already down so much my record was five and nine and it's just like it was kind of like i had the players but unfortunately i didn't have the matchups that i wanted and the times i didn't need them to play fantastic they played fantastic so i couldn't find a groove i couldn't find uh just that um I guess I could just go with groove. I couldn't find the groove where I can stay hot and, you know, win games and, and win it all. So hopefully we'll we'll do better next season. In the Mile High Huddle uh, Fantasy League, I had never done a 16-man league before. And Jesus Christ, I had never struggled so much in fantasy in my life. <laughs> and I don't know if I'll be up for it next season, to be honest with you. Because, good Lord, I out of 16 people i finished in seventh and our winner there was never been clissed followed by we suck again and the third place was west virginia lockdown who and my record in this one was six and seven so the fact that i did better in a 16-man league versus an eight-man league just kind of just goes to show you just how much i know about fantasy (laughs) Oh, and I don't know if I mentioned it, but in my league, in the Football Kings League, I finished uh, six and oh yeah, six and seven. So, uh, I, I, I mean, I do my, I, I study, I try to do my research and and all this shit, and you know, and act smart and everything. 
uh, before draft comes. And then I always laugh at, uh, I don't know if you guys, if you do fantasy on the NFL.com app, they send you like a summary about a couple minutes after your draft is over. And they kind of like give you a prediction or a rundown of what they think your, your, uh, your draft season is going to be. And I always get like a C, a C minus or a C or a C plus. And I always laugh at it because I'm like, man, I'm going to blow this shit out the water. These fuckers don't know what they're talking about. Then at the end of the season, I'm just sitting here like, damn, how the fuck does this motherfucker know? <laughs> like, it blows my fucking mind. But every year I do the same shit. I always laugh at that stupid summary thing. And then, I don't know, I'm hoping I get an A so that way I can be like, okay, well, shit, maybe I might win the championship this year. Uh, you know, who knows? Uh, but... Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it in the other episode uh, when I did the, my fantasy breakdown, but in, in the Football Kings League that I run, the winner gets $250 cash prize, <clears throat> and we also chip in for, um, I don't know if you've seen it on TV, but they're like these fantasy championship belts, like the championship belts that wrestlers wear in WWE, but you know, it has the, the fantasy football champion gold plaque on it, and uh, it's, it's theirs to keep. And they just come back the following season and, you know, defend their, their championship title. Not not the belt, but, you know, the title for surname, per se. So, uh, it's it's a really good, it's a really cool process. We've had four or five different champions over the last five years. Uh, my brothers won it and some of my best friend's friends have won it, including this one. And I've only been in the finals once. And it was, and I lost to my, my best friend, Miguel, who every single year where I put that I'm ready for fantasy, this motherfucker sends me a picture of his title belt he won from me on Snapchat, like cleaning it. I was like, you motherfucker. <laughs> uh, again, I'm sorry. I'm, I know I'm, I'm digressing from, from what you guys came to listen to, but I felt that I just needed to put that out there because I know some people were interested in what my lineup was. And I figured I'd give you guys an update on it. So hopefully you didn't skim past this uh, part towards the end. But anyway, to make a long story short, folks, the the Chargers, I, I felt that we played defensively better against the Chargers. We only held Justin Herbert to a limited touchdown. We got we sacked to him, which we didn't get to do that much and, and actually hit him a couple times, which we didn't do in our first confrontation. But if we learned anything from this, folks, it's that the Chargers may have found the answer their answer in Justin Herbert as their future quarterback. Now it just remains to be seen who their head coach is and what they do in the offseason and the draft and even free agency. So basically we cannot take this team to be taken lightly, especially if we end up in fourth. So this could be another headache that just gets added to our already list of headaches with, you know, the Raiders and the Chiefs having to deal with them already. I don't think it's something that we can't overcome. And if with the right coaching and the right decisions in the offseason, we can go back to sweeping the Chargers and, you know, we can more than likely sweep the Raiders and, hey, we can more than likely win a fucking game against Kansas City, right? <laughs> or hell, maybe even, you know, sweep them. You know, a guy can dream. But anyway, folks, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, I want to thank everybody, all the listeners out there for, uh, you know, tuning in and listening. And a couple of announcements before we go. Uh, first one is if you don't follow me on Twitter and you haven't heard the good news through the Anchor app, I was able to finally get my very first monthly sponsor uh, listener. So I really want to thank from the bottom of my heart, uh, Chris Hernandez. Uh, 20. OK, I'm not going to say it because I'm pretty sure he gets tired of listening to it. But a numerous year veteran of the armed forces and um he's been he's been with me since day one since i started this podcast and you know he's been he's been first in everything he was the first person to you know give me comments and ideas on on the show and you know to tell me about the the shitty audio quality that i didn't realize at first and you know about the shitty ad that if you've heard i redid so you know i I credit him with a lot he's also been a guest on our mile high roundtable podcast and he's just he's just been phenomenal and i can't tell you folks just how grateful i am to have this man uh be a part of this journey that i started and i hope that you guys can continue to be on this journey here with me too uh i know that i can't 
I, I know I can't remember your last name. I, I don't have my phone to look it up, but I know your name is Eddie, I believe. I listened to your podcast and you told me on social media the other day that you and your wife still listen. I thank you guys also from the bottom of my heart for continuing to be along with this journey and, you know, sitting down and spending an hour or so of your time just listening to me jibble and jabber about Broncos and fantasy football and, and whatnot. So uh, thank you guys. And if I'm forgetting anybody, I do apologize. I can't remember everybody off the top of my head. But uh, just to run down a couple of things, uh, if you guys want to be a monthly supporter like uh, my friend Chris is on the Anchor app, you know, I really do appreciate it. You can there's more details on the website how you can support this channel uh, monthly. I have been thinking about starting a, a Patreon, uh, you know, that kind of does the exact same thing because not everybody listens to this podcast through um, the Anchor app. I, this this uh, podcast gets spread out all over the podcasting world from what i understand so uh, i'm still up in the air about that but i'm gonna maybe hold off on that because i don't think i'm at that level yet but hey it's one of my new year's resolutions and so uh, i i hope that i it's something that i can achieve so that i you know i can feel that what i'm doing is more of a contribute to you guys who come in and listen to this uh to the show so, uh, but as always, you guys can follow me on Twitter at a, the number six FT one zero Mexican altogether. One word. You can email me there and we can talk Broncos and stuff. If you guys have any ideas, comments, suggestions about the show that you, or you want to get in contact directly with me, you can email me at Broncos talk 2020 at gmail.com. And the big announcement that I've actually been, you know, teasing since for a couple of weeks now is that. I am expanding the show to StreamYard, which means that I'm going to be streaming live. I'm also still going to do this show, so don't don't think that I'm abandoning my audio listeners because I know not everybody has the time to go, you know, there's a difference between listening to somebody talk and, you know, watching somebody talk live. So this is just something that I want to try, and it's one of my things that is on my resolu- resolution list. So it could be something that, you know, no, that could fail and nobody comes and watch and I'm just sitting in front of my camera speaking for an hour to myself. So it's nothing new. It's shit. It's what I do on Twitch almost every other day. <laughs> but, you know, if it's one thing that I learned from this podcast is, is, is you can't fail unless you try. And even if I sit in front of this microphone and I didn't have all the, the wonderful people that I mentioned and it was just me in front of a microphone and nobody listened I'd rather know that I tried but failed and then gives me inspiration to maybe try again than to sit and wonder, you know, what if? Because what ifs aren't reality. Failures are reality, but they're also uh, can be a lesson to, hey, never give up. So I hope that makes some sense. But I'm going to uh, be streaming StreamYard on Fridays at six o'clock. You can on YouTube. And Facebook, I'm going to be putting up a Facebook page pretty soon on the uh, on this podcast. So you can follow me there for updates and everything. But you can find me on the Broncos Talk podcast YouTube channel. You can look it up. You can subscribe. And so you can join on and, and you know, be along and come along with me on this journey. Um, so for my first episode, I haven't really decided yet what I'm going to do. More than likely, it's more. it could be an end of the year. Uh, type of thing I could be having a special guest if I can find one in time but my main thing that I want to do for for that part of for that live broadcast is I want to try to bring in different fans from every single team each week and try to get an idea and a perspective on how it is that they're dealing with their issues what they think of our team you know what I think of their team and if you guys want to come in and you have your own questions or ideas or whatever you know, it'd be great. So that's just something that I have in mind for that, uh, for that type of show. I, like I said, I'll still be coming on here and you'll still be hearing me ramble about uh, the Broncos on this channel. And, you know, we'll be covering everything from the, the postseason to the Super Bowl, the, the offseason, the draft, uh, the combine. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what we do along the way. Cause folks, this, this football season, it feels like it's gone faster. And this off season, I have a feeling it's going to go so slow. <laughs> so we have to try to keep each other company as best as we can. So, um, like I said, look me up on the, on YouTube at the Broncos talk podcast, subscribe, 
there'll be more updates and everything on there and that's where you can catch me on friday i don't know if i named the date friday january 8th 2021 is when our my first episode will launch and that's going to be a memorable date because a memorable date because that will be my birthday so that's exactly why i decided to do it that day so it's a week from this friday from this episode so i hope you guys can come and join me and be a part of well, well it could be history especially if if this thing takes off so you guys have already been here for this part of the show so i do hope that you can find time during your quarantine lives or wherever you may be to come and join me and you know let's go out there and have some fun so again the Bron- the broncos talk podcast on youtube you know subscribe first air date will be january 8th friday january 8th at six o'clock uh central time so that's that six o'clock central seven o'clock eastern four o'clock pacific out like by california stuff so um anyway folks that's gonna do it for this episode sorry for the long ramblings i hope i haven't bore you uh happy new year to you guys and thanks again for being listeners supporters and i hope that you guys will continue to be with me on this journey not just with broncos country but in life in general so thanks again happy new year everybody happy holidays so long listeners and citizens of broncos country